I'm Rob Freeman, president of Kane Brothers. During this unprecedented and disorienting time, the team at Kane Brothers is conducting weekly interviews with leaders from throughout the healthcare industry for this special edition Industry Insights series. Our goal is to provide you and your organization with a wide array of views on the multifaceted dimensions, challenges, and responses to COVID-19. Transcripts are available on the Kane Brothers website. Please share your feedback with me or any of your Kane Brothers contacts, and thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Court Houseworth, the Managing Director at Kane Brothers, and I'm co-leader of our managed care practice. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Paul Markovich, President and CEO of Blue Shield of California. Paul is a 20-year Blue Shield veteran and was the board chair of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association in 2018 and 2019. Paul has been leading Blue Shield's efforts to transform healthcare and drive innovation. Paul, thank you for taking the time today to speak with us regarding COVID-19 and your perspectives as CEO of Blue Shield of California. My pleasure. Looking forward to it. Great. So to start uh, things off, Paul, I'd like to get your perspectives on how California has responded to the COVID-19 outbreak thus far and how Californians are managing today. I feel like California has been a real leader in this area, and I, I give a lot of credit to Governor Gavin Newsom and his team for being the first state to announce a shelter-in-place effort. Uh, and of course, it's not just uh, him and the state. Uh, the Bay Area was really one of the first geographic areas to do a shelter-in-place order. And based on what we're seeing right now, that seems to be paying dividends in terms of reducing the spread of the virus. We still don't have all the data that we need to really understand it. Um, but even the data we do have seems to be pointing towards a reduced level of increased cases relative to what it used to be, at least in Northern California. Um, and so while we are not out of the woods yet, no one's uh, celebrating a, a final success by any means, um, I think that, uh, that the steps that we've taken and the adherence that we've seen from uh, Californians to that shelter-in-place order has been impressive, and I think it's, it's paying dividends. And I'd say even beyond that, um, Granted, I'm sheltering in place and working from home. I've been incredibly impressed in all of my conversations across the spectrum, public sector, private sector, hospitals, pharmacy labs, et cetera, uh, some medical suppliers, how much people are leaning in and just trying to do the right thing. Um, so there's just, it's bringing out a lot of good in people. That's great to hear. Um, how have you prepared the company and your members um, as well as your providers to deal with the expected surge in California? Well, we're certainly doing our best to do that, uh, Court, and we, um, are granted, aren't really um, sure exactly how to best help in all situations. So one of the things we're doing is just asking. Uh, we're, we're spending a lot of time reaching out, not trying to overwhelm, uh, these various constituents, uh, including providers especially, but trying to understand where are you, how are you doing, how are you doing for supplies, how are you doing for staffing, what does your bed capacity look like, how can we help? Um, so, again, we're trying not to be annoying because these folks are have a lot of work on their hands in terms of the preparation, um, but we're 
we're certainly reaching out and trying our best, but there's a number of policies that we've already announced uh, waiving any um, cost sharing for testing and associated costs for members um, on the uh, and on the provider side, we've been having uh, a number of different conversations about how to ensure that they get adequate supplies. In fact, we went ahead and bought um, protective equipment when we found it available, like several million dollars worth of it to help with the crisis and then distribute it. We have been doing a lot of work with the state as well as with um, the labs and medical suppliers around trying to secure and distribute important supplies that would help advance the testing, like simple things like getting swabs and contributing $500,000 to the Oakland Fund in large part to set up drive-by testing sites so people could get tested for the virus. So I won't give you the entire laundry list of what we've done, but we really have just tried to lean in and, and do the best we can. But I think we're all dealing with something unprecedented, and so it wasn't like we had a playbook walking into this, and we're learning as we go. That's terrific. Um, what specific changes has Blue Shield made in the way it uh, interacts with um, uh, its members? I mean, for example, how have you addressed what I imagine is a large increase in member call volume regarding benefits or other questions and concerns? Well, fortunately, thus far, touch wood, um, our customer service uh, levels have have not really, um, we've been hitting our customer service goals. We've been on average answering the phone within 30 seconds, and, uh, getting a pretty high level of satisfaction from the people who do call in. We did um, advance, communicate almost a month ago and encourage people to get larger uh, pharmacy supplies via their mail order benefit. Um, and that seemed to have, have helped quite a bit. Uh, we've also had extensive use of our telehealth services. That's really gone up substantially, which we also encouraged so people could talk to a physician if they felt they had symptoms or needed to without um, creating the risk uh, for themselves and for others of going outside the house. And so those things have, I think, helped quite a bit. That said, we haven't hit the peak yet, I don't think, in California. And so my guess is we, we're still, uh, we, we aren't all the way into it. And so those, I'm sure those things will get a little more stressed in the coming weeks. But for now, um, just the steps that we've taken to try and anticipate people's needs, the need to shelter in place, the need to access medicine, um, they seem to have been working to this point. That's great. Um, I know you guys were one of the um, early uh, proponents of using telemedicine and virtual care. Um, what kinks have you uh, found in the delivery model? Well, I think the part that is, uh, is most important to do is then connect back to your primary care physician. And because we don't have the, we have the capability to create comprehensive real-time digital records and um, and provide that closed loop between, oh, I've had an appointment and some advice from an online physician, and now I would like my primary care physician to know that and to, to get that incorporated back into their traditional path of care. 
that's the place where we really need to get the digital infrastructure nailed down and close that loop um, because you know it's it's important you can't really you can't get all of your care depending on your situation but you can't get all of your care virtually it's very difficult to have a uh, hip replacement via telemedicine and so you know at some point you have to come back to the to the actual system and you want that care to be as seamless as possible and that information to be transferred and that's probably the place we've had uh, the biggest challenge up until this point we do have a solution for it it's just that we don't have all the providers participating and sharing their information in a way that would facilitate it working how do you think the accelerated uh, adoption of telemedicine will change the way um, healthcare is delivered post uh, the pandemic? I just think it's, I think this is going to have accelerated the adoption of it. I think people are going to, because they, there's going to be so much more use of it, I think it's going to be much more commonplace. It's going to be more accepted. I think folks will be more comfortable. I think, you know, it's one of those things where, you know how there's a typically an adoption curve and you have the pioneers start and then eventually others follow and then it becomes the common norm. I think by virtue of um, almost forcing more people to use it sooner than they otherwise would have on the natural, it will become a, uh, a much more widespread and more common uh, after this than it was beforehand. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, I, honestly, why wouldn't you want to, if you could, um, access important medical advice and in a manner that doesn't require you to leave your home? Uh, I think especially for things like um, behavioral health issues, but also in, for something that's an infectious disease, it's very, very helpful to um, to everybody for you to do it virtually. So I think it'll be. Um, I think it will accelerate the adoption of this important new technology. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, and speaking of kind of mental health, um, how, what, I should say, um, how is Blue Shield providing additional support to members experiencing challenges with anxiety, depression, stress, substance uh, dependency? Yeah. Well, I do think, uh, I do think that telehealth that can be helpful that way. And so I hope that it's helping people in those circumstances. Um, we are doing our best to encourage people, uh, I think to, we're trying to communicate that as acute as this crisis is, as long as you're smart and following the guidance that you've been getting from the Centers of Disease Control and the state, uh, then you're gonna reduce your risk quite a bit and we will get through this. And so I think trying to help people understand that it's an acute crisis, but it's not an existential crisis. Um, and you can, if you can reduce your risk to yourself and your family, we won't, all won't be sheltered in place forever. It's gonna be something that lasts weeks, not months or years, and um, we'll get through it. And we will figure out how to manage with this virus because we manage with viruses today, we do every day. And uh, our immune systems and our medical systems um, they are built to deal with the, this eventually, even if we weren't completely prepared to do so uh, right now. So I think we are trying to, you know, give people options and alternatives if they're feeling a level of stress. And to the extent that we can be fact-based and calm and share a sense of as challenging as this is, there's a path forward. Uh, I think that's 
what we're trying to do to help people uh, remain calm and avoid getting overamped in a situation like this. That's terrific. Um, over the weekend, Covered California published a report that premiums in the individual and employer's market could increase by 40% or more solely because of unexpected COVID-19 costs. Um, how will we get to solutions to address these unplanned costs? And ultimately, is the federal and or state governments going to have to be part of the solution set? Potentially, I think, uh, Court, one of the things we've found in these situations is that um, healthcare costs can only go up so much because the supply of healthcare, like just hospital beds, for example, is um, not that fungible. It's, it's reasonably fixed. I mean, it's almost, no, no matter how sick the population gets, it's almost impossible for a health plan to have their inpatient bed days per thousand go up like by twice the amount that they are today. Uh, there's just not enough, you can't put enough hospital beds up quickly enough to do that. And you're seeing that now, that when the population gets sick all at the same time, there's just not enough capacity in the system. And so, uh, so it's, I think, unlikely that you could get to, to uh, jump that large and sustain it over time. Uh, and so I think that the, really the way to deal with it, ideally, is that um, is that if the federal government could put in place kind of um, broad uh, thresholds at which they, you know, kind of almost provide stop loss coverage for health plans, I think that would be the ideal way to to deal with this. Um, so that going in as a health plan, you don't feel like you've got a price for the worst case scenario. You can price for a level that says, okay, it should be reasonable to expect this virus will not repeat in a way like it did this time. I can project my premiums and my costs based on something closer to a norm. Um, but if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong by a really large margin, um, you know, I'll have, I'll have a backstop. I'll still generate losses, but they won't be the kind of losses that create an existential risk to the company or financial risk um, that could topple the company. I think that's the kind of thing that that um, that can really help. The sort of thing that they did at the well, they tried to do at least at the beginning of the Affordable Care Act, and then didn't fund later. But the that kind of um, sort of stop loss backstop for health plans, I think, could do a lot to stabilize premiums, and in all likelihood. We wouldn't tap into it because I, I, I honestly believe we will work our way through this crisis. We will figure out um, treatments. We will figure out a vaccine. We will develop natural immunities over time that will really make any next future wave much more manageable. And I think a little more like other viruses that we deal with over time, like the flu. Um, so I think that is probably the best way to deal with it. That sounds uh, like a good strategy. Um, so as we wrap up here, Paul, um, at this stage in the crisis, can you share with us any lessons learned and changes that you hope to see implemented to improve our overall responsiveness to the current healthcare crisis and to future healthcare crises? Well, I'd certainly be happy to share my perspective. I am not a public health expert at all, but I have been delving into a lot of those questions just to try and help 
And I'd say that we just need to get better coordinated and, um, and um, plan ahead better and put better um, infrastructure in place at the federal level, at the state level, and at the local level to deal with a pandemic like this and be ready, prepared to do so. Um, you know, just having, a, for example, an appropriate supply of protective equipment so that you're ready for this and you have a means of gathering and just uh, data around the testing and where it's coming, deploy it, gather the data, trace the individuals that have the disease, uh, selectively isolate and quarantine those individuals. That's basic public health and the ability to track and understand that at the federal level, have a way to also coordinate at the state level, have those state resources coordinate with local public health officials and, and have that entire infrastructure go all the way up from the local level all the way back up to the federal level with the right reporting, uh, the right data coming through real time and, uh, and just allowing us to understand what's happening on the ground and then respond to it quickly um, as a country, as a state, as a locality, that's what was, has really been lacking um, in, this, in this response. And so when you're trying to play catch up, when you're trying to create those things on the fly while well, a virus is just uh, rampaging really through the population, it's so highly infectious, um, you really can't keep up with it. So you have to plan these things out and have these things set up well in advance and then same way that you kind of had a fire drill when you were in school or at work and said, we've all know what the fire drill is and when the fire alarm goes off, this is what you do. You know, if there's a fire in the building, you don't want to be planning for, you know, how to line up and how to get down the stairs and not to use the elevators, et cetera. You want to have a plan. And I think that's the same thing for pandemics like this one. You, you really want to have planned and drilled and um, have everything you need in place before it starts and then just put it into motion once it does. Is your sense that the industry will um, start to think that way or will everybody just go back to the way it was and forget about, um, you know, March, April, and May of uh, 2020? Yeah, well, I certainly, I certainly hope it's the former and not the latter. Uh, I think this has been intense enough and long enough that we will, uh, if we can make these changes and put them in place right away, uh, I think our memories won't fade that quickly. And I don't think it's the industry as honestly as much as it is uh, the government, but there may be some changes required of private industry. Uh, for example, uh, it's clear that a lot of the uh, manufacturers of tests for testing for various things, including infectious diseases, have um, put out their own proprietary machines that can be used to process the tests by the labs. Um, but they only really allow their tests to be run through on their machines. And so you don't have a lot of interchangeable parts in, in the lab uh, operations. And as a result, you know, if, if some other, like this, these, I was talking to a South Korean firm that was generating huge volumes of test kits, but we couldn't bring all those test kits in and dramatically increase the test kit supply because um, there wasn't the equipment and the reagents in place here in the labs to run and use their test kits. And so I do think there's going to probably have to be some changes, but my guess is they'll have to be 
prompted by government in the industry to get in place something where there's more interchangeable parts in the lab supply chain so that when we need to ramp up our testing, we can do it really quickly. And we're not stuck, for example, because Roach doesn't have a test kit yet. And there's all these Roach machines just sitting idle because, uh, you know, there's no test that can run through on their equipment. So that's the sort of thing that I think will impact the industry, but I think needs to come from government. That makes total sense. Well, Paul, on behalf of all the Kane brothers and our clients, uh, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. I wish you, your family, and the entire Blue Shield team all the best in these uh, tumultuous times. Thank you. Thank you, Court, and be safe and be well. Great. Thanks, Paul.